Coming up on Verse Course Verse, just when I think I have it figured out, I lose it. That's next. Welcome to episode 110 of Verse Chorus Verse, season 3, MFers. How's it going? I am DL. I'm all alone today. That's alright. Every once in a while, you gotta give other people the day off, right? It's just how it works. You see, the trick is, is in order to get people to not hate you, you have to every once in a while make them think that you're looking out for them. You know, a little day off now and then helps. But these episodes are fun to do, so I'm okay with it. I'm hanging out in my studio, which has really kind of grown into its own a little bit. I I enjoy it a lot. Got some signed Jennifer Batten CDs, painting that Angie did. Got some good cocktail recipes. Got a lot too much liquor. I'll just say that, too much liquor. I have about 100 or 200 of my albums behind me. Got my favorite guitar, my Jag. Really nice postcard from Alex Henry Foster, which I have not answered yet, uh, which makes me feel like crap. But I want to do a cool postcard to write him back on. And I haven't really gotten a cool postcard yet. I should just, next time I'm traveling for work, I should just grab wherever I am. Where am I next? Next, I am in Vegas. Ugh. I mean, I guess I can give him a Vegas postcard. That's not... I guess it's the thought that counts, right? You know, I have my uh, This Is America 45 that I love. You know what I have that I really like? I got a couple old photos. I got an old photo of Sven and I's uh, playing a gig with our old drummer Brent. That was a very fun gig. And uh, I've got a picture of Sven and I's big old accident we got into. Uh, he and I standing in front of his totaled truck. There's a breakdown in my studio. I've got my old school vinyl player to my left. I've got my newer Bluetooth vinyl behind me. Got my positive grid speaker. You guitar players out there, even you old curmudgeons that think it's a sin to start using all the digital app crap, I cannot recommend that you positive grid amp enough. No, this is not a, they are not sponsoring us. Hmm. I guess I should maybe give him a call and see if we can work something out. But man, that is the most fun practice gear I've ever had in my life. It, the app is amazing. I mean, you can do things like you can just type in Everlong Foo Fighters and it goes to these amp presets that makes your guitar sound pretty close to the guitar sound that Dave was getting. Really, really cool and it's not it's not that expensive for me it's definitely it's loud enough for my studio it's suburban i can't be that loud i have to be a good neighbor or i'll get kicked out of my neighborhood i don't want that so there you go now you know what's in my oh and a bunch of booze i have a bunch of booze which all my favorite cocktail glasses and stuff it's just a nice environment right it's lovely to be in i have some old framed photos my great grandma gwen she uh did the whole hollywood thing she was in movies with Fred Astaire and Rita Hayworth and Lucille and Desi. And so I have movie posters of the movies she was in and stuff like that. That's really cool too. I have my 10 out of 10 wall, which we talked about on the YouTube. Are you go? Are you on the YouTube? Do you check out the YouTube? YouTube's fun. We haven't figured it out yet. We have some videos that have like thousands of views and then we have some videos that have like 30. So, hey. Any of you know YouTube, any of you understand YouTube, give us a shout and let us know because we sure don't. But I'm fine with it. We're giving it at least a year to see what happens with it. Kind of like podcasting where it's just not an overnight thing. Although I do think that with YouTube, you can all of a sudden one video is going to shoot you to the moon. But um, I'm not sure if our content really feeds into that. And I'm okay with that. We're still working really hard on figuring out how much we want to compromise ourselves to become more popular. So I'm really just not trying not as much as I can this year to pay attention to stats and we'll see we are where we are next year. Anyway, that's not what we're here for, right? You now have a good feel for what my studio's like. I've got my Big Black Delta poster. Sure do like Big Black Delta. That John Bates is supposed to be coming out with some new stuff this year. Very excited about that. In the interview that I did with him last year, he said that it's going to be pretty heavily guitar driven. 
And if you've, if you've watched anything that he actually played guitar on, that dude can shred. So very much looking forward to that. Yeah, that's pretty. I've got Lane Staley looking over me. I've got Prince looking over me. I've got Jack White looking over me. I got Mark Kowal's Pure Nonsense poster right here. I've got Advocat's poster right here. Yeah, you send me uh you send me some merchy style stuff. I'm gonna put it up, man. So Mark, for example, Pure Nonsense is sitting there right by Biffy Clyro. That's not bad. That's pretty cool, right? There you go. I mean, I could go into much greater detail if you'd like about other things, but I'm not going to. We're gonna talk about music. This has been a freaking crazy year. We really, really, I, sorry, this was not their fault. This was my fault. I really overbooked us for the first part of the year trying to get ahead, which is great, but we're now in the thick of it. We have three interviews. This Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we have interviews. So that's going to be a tall task, uh, but all three of them will be amazing. We've got a listener supported. We're going to be recording. It's going to be a really, really big week for us. I'm on a weekend right now recording this. Tomorrow we're recording again. I'm recording something with Rachel. It's just busy, busy, busy. Uh, but the beginning of the year is the very nervous time for me because we don't have a lot of episodes in the bank. Right now we basically have none. And I am the type of person that that leads to panic attacks. But it'll be really nice for within the next week or so having three or four in the bank. So I don't have to every day think, oh my God, something's going to happen. We're not going to be able to record an episode and I'll have to just wing one, which is fine. I can do that. But we will definitely never miss an episode. There will be an episode every week until we are done with this podcast. Hopefully that's not for a long time, but who knows, right? Should I get to what I'm drinking today and then talk about uh, what we're doing here today? You know what I'm drinking? I'm drinking coffee and there is a little bit of whiskey in it. Not much. I'm taking it easy. I had a good uh, dinner last night, had a few drinks, but I'm trying to get back to my healthiness. And uh, one of the things I do when I'm trying to be healthy is I only drink one night a week. And even then I'm trying to keep it to, you know, two drinks or something like that. We can't go crazy, right? It's basically coffee, and I am very happy with it. It's coffee with a little bit of Buffalo Trace in it. I think right now, Buffalo Trace is the only whiskey I have. I mean, I have like Southern Comfort, but I'm not putting that in my coffee. I don't hate myself that much. No offense, Southern Comfort, but you are a, um, you are a novelty, and you're just not very good, but that's okay. So what are we doing here today? Well, those of you that have listened to the podcast, you probably know. You have a good idea. Look, don't some of you want to know who the greatest band of all time was? Don't some of you want to know who your favorite band of all time was, but you just don't quite know how to answer? So you need stats. You need something with actual data that you can compile. And that's what I've done. I've created formulas and this is the fourth episode, so you can go back and listen to the other ones to get a feel for them. But yeah, this is the fourth episode I've done this on. I've created a formula to come up with the best band of all time. I've come up with a formula to come up with my favorite band of all time. I'm going to lay it out for you. I'm starting to feel very, very good about the best of all time formula. I've changed a teeny, teeny bit in this one. I'll go through what the changes were. I feel pretty good about it. The numbers make a lot of sense and I'm okay with it. I gotta say, I think I might need help on the favorite artists because I'm struggling with it. I'm looking right now, I'm looking at the list that I have after this episode and I don't want to fight it, but I take issues with a couple of it and I do think that there's a part of the formula that I'm just not, I'm overthinking or I'm just not thinking, my thoughts are wrong somehow. Okay, we'll just we'll just say that. So each one of these episodes, I pick three bands and an artist. Usually, sometimes there's a couple artists, a couple bands, and I just add them to the equation. After this one, there will be 16 bands and artists that I have weighed in on, and it's really starting to get there. So I think we should just get into it, right? I think I should take a little break, come back, tell you why I picked the four artists, talk a little bit about the four artists. That's what we want to do. We want to talk a little more about the artists and tell you what my ratings are. And then you can tell me if I'm wrong or what I need to change. That would be much, much appreciated. Uh, I'm going to take a break. I'll be right back. Keep your eye on things while I'm gone. Keep my little things. Don't you try or 
Oh, hey, everybody. So, The Great Search, Volume 4, all right? Finding the best band of all time. Finding who my favorite band of all time is thus far. So, I have an equation that I have invented, and let's go through the equations. For the best band of all time, I want it to be statistically driven. I want, and I want it to be hits driven. And so, that's what I've done. I would tell you that the equation is visible on versecourseverse.com. If you go to versecourseverse.com and you look up the search, which is on the website, it will pop up with the equation, band scores, everything thus far. The best band equation involves number one billboard hits, makes sense, top 40 billboard hits, which don't count as much as number ones, but they still count. Rolling Stone has greatest songs, and this is what I changed this year, and greatest album lists of all time. I am incorporating both of them. I only had done the songs before. I'm not sure why I shouldn't have done that. Uh, so I have both greatest songs and greatest albums. The Rolling Stone lists are 500, the 500 greatest songs of all time and the 500 greatest albums of all time. And I've separated those between one and 250 and uh, 250 and 500. If the band has a song or an album in one through 250 of the greatest of all time, according to Rolling Stones, that is worth more than 250 through 500. Those do count for quite a bit as far as the equation, because they're very, I'm finding that they're very rare. And then the rest of the equation for best band of all time is platinum albums, gold albums, and then uh, additional platinums. So for example, if I did Michael Jackson before and you know, bad only counts as one platinum, but then additional platinums, I think that went diamond like 10 times. I don't remember how much it was, but those count under additional platinums. I basically use the total number of songs that the artist came out with to divide everything. I feel like that's a fair way to keep, to keep it to where consistency does matter. So if they have, if the band has a crap ton of songs, uh, but a lot of them have made hits and gotten platinum and stuff like that. It's going to be worth quite a bit. But if the band has 200 songs and only like three of the albums have gone platinum, they're not going to score as high. And I think that's fair because then I have bands on here. You know, if we end up doing a Nirvana, which I will, which, you know, they weren't around long. They didn't have that many songs, but they have a lot of pretty sure Nevermind is whatever platinum. So that'll count more. And I th I'm pretty happy with the equation. I'm looking at the list. It makes sense to me. I think I've kind of found the right things here. The Once again, for the equation this year, the only things that I've changed are I did add the greatest albums of all time uh, to the Rolling Stone thing. Oh, and I did, last year I was multiplying additional platinums by 0.25. This year I'm multiplying by 0.5. So they are still worth half of what the original platinum did because it's about sales, right? Sales should count a lot. Sales should be important. And so I raised that number a little bit. And uh, I'm very happy with the outcome here. As far as favorites, I've done a couple changes there too. Once again, not a lot. Uh, when it comes to the favorite bands of all time, essentially all I do is I divide the artist's songs into categories. Songs that I think are amazing, songs that I think are terrible, and songs that I think are good to bad. The medium, essentially. Amazing and terrible are worth more. The good and bad are worth a regular amount. They're all divided by the total number of songs. The other part of the equation that I've changed a little bit are the numbers of their albums I would buy. And I've divided it in between albums that I would say I need are an essential part of my collection. Albums that I, if I'm walking through the record store and I see it, I would pick it up and then albums that I would not buy. So that is what has changed in the favorites, is I have extended the what albums I would buy portion of the equation, and that's really about it. As of now, the groups that I've done so far, what I'll do is I'll just read off what the rankings were for the best band of all time, and these are all the bands that we've done so far. Is In last place for best band of all time, we have Soul Coughing, which I love, but is what it is. Then Jerry Cantrell, not Allison Chains, just Jerry Cantrell and his three, I think it's three albums, Boggy Depot, Degradation, Trip, and uh, the newest one, which is a really good album. Cake, whom we know I love, but uh, as far as best bands, they just haven't done that much. System of a Down, 
there next. They weren't around that long. Oh, well. Joy Division, same thing. Lots of good stuff, but two albums. Peter Gabriel's next. Love Peter Gabriel. Followed by Janet Jackson. Up next, we have Creedence Clearwater Revival. Right above Creedence, we have Muse. I don't know how many people that pisses off. I didn't, you know, I haven't gotten complaints about this list yet, which makes me happy. People tend to seem to like these episodes, and I haven't gotten a lot of complaints about the the formula or the rankings, so that's good. Third, best band of all time, up to this point, Green Day. They've been around for fucking ever, and people keep buying them, man. Good for them. Second is Foo Fighters. Same thing. Been around forever. Who does not love Dave Grohl? And number one, uh, with a bullet, like not even a question, is Michael Jackson. Not a big surprise there, right? And then as far as favorites, starting at last for me is Green Day. Yes, I do not like most of Green Day's stuff. There's basically one and a half albums of theirs that I love, and the rest is not very good at all. And then Janet Jackson, which surprised me, but she has so much content that I am not into. She has content that I love, but so much that I'm not into. And then Jerry Cantrell, he has a lot of good, not a lot of great. And then Michael Jackson, same thing. There's like 12 amazing songs and the rest of it, I'm pretty, I can pretty much leave it. Boy, Muse, if you don't count their last couple albums, Muse is actually pretty high up there, I would think. And then one above Muse is System of a Down. I love them, but... It's kind of a, they have five albums and two of them I think are not very good. Three of them are amazing though. Then we got Soul Coughing. So Soul Coughing only has three albums, but I love all three of them. So that helps them out. Up next, Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel has a lot of content that I would buy. I love a lot of Peter Gabriel. I either love or like pretty much all Peter Gabriel. Fourth, Favorite band of all time right now is the Foo Fighters, which surprised me. But man, they have a lot of content that I really love. A lot. Uh, And then Credence. Credence Credence is kind of the perfect example of that band that they didn't do a lot, but what they did was fantastic. Like right in the pocket. You know, like four. I think they have like six albums. Four of them are fantastic and two of them are good. And then my second favorite, Cake. Kind of the same thing. Five albums. Four of them I love. Three of them I absolutely love. Every song on the album. And then my number one, they really didn't come out with a song that wasn't awesome. And I love both their albums as Joy Division. That's where we were at so far. A lot of this has changed. It has. I guess what we should do, because I don't have a problem with it, is we should go to the best bands of all time. All right, so once again, versecourseverse.com, you can look up the equation, you can see what's going on there. Billboard hits, Rolling Stones 500 greatest songs and albums, number one and number 40 hits, platinum albums, gold albums, additional platinums. That's basically how we're doing it. Let me tell you about the bands and why I chose them now. I always do four. The first one I always do is one that I think is going to score very highly on the greatest of all time, statistically. We have not talked about this band enough on the podcast. We need to. We've talked about them before. I just don't think enough. That band is Led Zeppelin. I feel like we need a little more Led Zeppelin in the conversation this year. We already did 69 as a year dissection, which had Zepp 1 and 2. But I just realized in the off season, I was, you know, when I was listening to whatever I wanted to listen to, I realized, man, you know, I have not had a lot of reason yet from the podcast to listen to Zeppelin, which is a, that's a shame. You shouldn't have a music podcast and not be talking about Zeppelin at least once a year, right? That's my opinion. I don't know if you guys knew this, but I consider them probably one of the best rock bands of all time. So I have a feeling they'll rank pretty high. (sighs) I would hope so. But yeah, who doesn't love Zep, right? And you know, it always takes, I always forget, I don't know how I shouldn't, but I always forget when I look at Led Zeppelin's discography or I'd start listening to Zep, we do Zep one, two, three, and four, but then you start looking at houses of the holy and physical graffiti, man. Oh my God. They had so much good music. There's one album of theirs I don't love, and I have a feeling I'm going to get a lot of flack for that, but it is what it is. We'll get there when we get there. But yeah, Led Zeppelin, greatest band of all time. 
There are very few bands in the world that I think may be able to contest with Michael Jackson as far as numbers and longevity. Led Zeppelin would be one of them. So we'll see how close they get to Michael Jackson. The second band that I pick is a band that uh, has been brought up recently for me, whether through the podcast or that sort of thing. And the band that I chose that I hadn't listened to in forever is Everclear. I don't remember why. Oh, it was because we were talking about concerts. But I talked about Everclear quite a bit in the off-season, in the what are we listening to is off-season, that sort of thing. And I thought about Everclear, and I thought, man, you know, I really want to go back and listen to Sparkle and Fade and so much for the Afterglow. I have thoughts on Everclear. I have some hot takes on Everclear that we'll get to. But they are the band that I picked to talk about that have been kind of brought up in my life a lot lately. So we have Led Zeppelin, we have Everclear. I always pick an artist. Sometimes there's more than one, but I always make sure there's at least one artist. And an artist that we have been talking a lot about lately on the pod is none other than Tupac Shakur, a.k.a. Tupac. I did throw Tupac on here. I loved, loved, loved talking about him with Sven. That was one of the most fun episodes I'd had in a long time. Sometimes doing a podcast can be stressful. I actually have a pretty stressful regular job, and adding the podcast on can be extra much. I'm sure if you ask Rachel and Evil, they'll tell you the same thing, especially working with me can be frustrating. I'm sure that I can be a tad abrasive, but uh, I think there's been with YouTube starting and with the possibility of you know actually having a lot of people watching and listening, I feel like a, maybe a feel of a bit more pressure this year that I think we're all kind of feeling, uh, definitely including me. So that episode, which was basically just Sven and I having a, a few too many and going on and on about Tupac, who I didn't even realize that I'd been kind of studying for that episode for about 20 years, really, really love the whole story that is Tupac. That was really fun. So I had to throw him on here, right? We got to talk about it. And then... The last one I do is a band that I think will score highly on my favorites of all time list. My Canadian love, my palate cleansing band of all time, the Crash Test Dummies. Crash Test Dummies are consistently one of my most listened to bands of all time. Everybody has that band, right? Everybody has that band that they go back to when they're cleaning or they're heading up camping or they're nice warm summer day. You're having a cocktail on the lawn, that sort of thing. Crash Test Dummies is my that band. They are consistently like Spotify. They're usually, I think last year they were my number one listen to, even though we did not talk about them at all on the podcast the year before. I think they're pretty consistently one of my most listened to. It would surprise me if they did not score incredibly high. They actually have like six albums and I absolutely love most of their stuff. I completely love. So that's who we've got. We've got Everclear. We've got the Crash Test Dummies. We've got Tupac. We've got Led Zeppelin. Let's add them in. Let's start talking about which one of them are going to score where as far as the greatest band of all time. Where do we start? Do we start with Zeppelin? Do we start with Everclear? Let's start with Everclear. I want to talk about Everclear. I tell you what, you know what I had no idea about? I had, I really had no clue. They have 11 fucking studio albums. I Did anybody know that? I figured they probably came out with a couple after, I know they did like songs for the American movie stuff in the 2000s. I figured maybe they came out with like one after that. They have 11 studio albums. A couple of them I didn't even count because they are cop-outs. And this is an unfortunate thing that I learned about Everclear while studying for this. I do not like Everclear. <laughs> so, yeah, there's that. To expand on that, the first three albums Everclear did. World of Noise, Sparkle and Fade, So Much for the Afterglow. Let's talk about those first. World of Noise, great first album. Fun stuff. You can definitely see where the blueprint was laid for them. Sparkle and Fade. I love that album. You make me feel like a whore. Santa Monica. Santa Monica is one of my theme songs of my life. Santa Monica is one of those that I feel like I can turn on anytime and just really, really... It's cheesy, but those songs that you just think it's written for you, that's Santa Monica. 
How about so much for the afterglow? How about that freaking album? Man, we did the year 1997, and I don't remember where we put that. We weren't ranking albums yet on the year dissection, so, and I don't think any of us. No, I do. I think Sven and I both had it on our top five best 97 albums. That album is incredible. That album is so good. Every single song on that is just, it's money. It's so money. It starts with the awesome little Beach Boys-ish kind of break into the So Much for the Afterglow song. It's got all the real popular ones like Father of Mine, Everything to Everyone. Songs like Normal Like You is incredible. Amphetamine, White Men in Black Suits, Why I Don't Believe in God, Like a California... I mean, this, this album is stacked. El Distorto de Melodica... That heavy little ditty, that album, man, that album is stacked. That is a fantastic album. That's going to have to be talked about on the DL's 10 out of 10s. But then Everclear does this thing where they go into Songs of an American Movie Volume 1, which went platinum and is not good. Then they did Songs of the American Volume Movie 2, Good Times for Bad Attitude, which I like. I actually think that's a good album. And then they do Slow Motion Daydream, not good. Welcome to the Drama Club, not good. In a Different Light, Return to Santa Monica, Invisible Stars, where I think not one, but two of those are basically re-recordings. Like the laziest type of albums you could possibly do. It's, it is. It's Return to Santa Monica and In a Different Light are just re-recordings of the songs that they'd already come out with. You know, I'm actually, I'm wondering, it's just now hitting me that Everclear joined a different label at the time. So I bet what they were actually doing is I bet that they were pulling a Taylor Swift. I bet they got to a new label. They wanted the rights to their older songs, which I'm sure they still make money off of. Basically just redid. You listen to the version of Everything to Everyone. It sounds like they just went and re-recorded it. And at first I was thinking maybe lazy old, let's come out with a quote-unquote new version. But... I think this might be a Taylor Swift version. If that is the case, hey, good on them. I'm not going to knock them for that. If you have the money to do that as an artist, do it. I think the problem is when you're a band like Everclear, you're not going to have the following of a Taylor Swift that's going to know to go, oh, I shouldn't listen to so much for the Afterglow. I should go to the Everclear version on the whatever remastered album. I don't think that worked out for them, as you can see by my response to this, which uh, is initially just, oh, this is very lazy. Let's come out with another album. Look, I talked about it in the pre's. I've seen Everclear. I had to think about it. I've seen Everclear four times. I saw him twice back in the day. I saw him twice. I think once I saw him in like 96 or something, which was incredible. And then I saw him in 97 at a bigger arena, which was also incredible. And then I saw them, you know, in the picking up the pieces stuff. I saw them at like a outdoor Boise event in like 2008 or something like that. And then I saw them again somewhere very similar. And both those times the concert was terrible. You could tell they didn't give a shit. They didn't want to be there. They, he was, uh, and I don't think it's Art's fault at all. I don't think he can really sing anymore. They were rock stars, man. They were hard on their bodies. And I know that at least one of them has a pretty big history with drugs and stuff. But boy, there is a lot of crap in the last half of Everclear's discography. I'll tell you this, though. 2015's Black is the New Black, that's a pretty good album. So they do kind of, you know, their last album, which came out eight years ago, seven years ago. Actually, it's almost eight years ago. That's actually, if you haven't listened to that, check it out. But yeah, I had no idea they had come out with so much. And I'm telling you, that's the big problem for them is that out of 11 albums, two of them I'm not even counting because they're cheap redos. Other than three of them, maybe four, they're not good. They're really not good. That kind of hurt them. Essentially... They did have four number one hits in Santa Monica, Everything to Everyone, New Life, and Wonderful. Wonderful was the was why that New America whatever album got platinum. It was basically just because of that song. And they were still riding the high off of So Much for the Afterglow. But that album is not good. If you go back and listen to it, it isn't. The second one is, that one is not. They have no songs or albums on the Rolling Stone 500. They did have 15 top 40s. 
So that's pretty cool. They even had a top 40 on their most recent album, 2015, which is really surprising. I honestly had no idea. I like that a lot. Three Platinums. So Sparkle and Fade, So Much for the Afterglow, and the Songs from America movie volume one. The second chapter of the Songs from America movie hit gold. So they have one gold. And they have one additional platinum because so much for the afterglow has gone double platinum. So they, they do have a few platinums. That's good. Their total number of songs are 97. Quite a bit more than I thought there was going to be. So they end up scoring an okay score. If we were going off of the scores that have been done before, they're basically right in the middle of cake and system of a down, which I think that that sounds completely right. I think an ever clear higher than cake, lower than system of a down. I completely agree with that. So sticking to the greatest bands of all time, let's go to Crash Test Dummies. Eh, probably not going to score that high, right? Crash Test Dummies are known as the mm-mm-mm one-hit wonder song. Some people remember they were on the Dumb and Dumber. They did Peter Pumpkinhead, the remake of the XTC song for the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack. And they have also been consistently big in Canada. So maybe the numbers help them out because they have sold very well in Canada. They do have one number one hit. We all know what that is. Mm-mm-mm. Which is really unfair. I'm telling you, I will champion this band anytime anybody wants me to, but unsolicited, I'm not just going to go off on the Crash System Dummies. All I'll say is this. The Crash System Dummies, that mm album, every single song on that is incredible. Every single one. The album after it is incredible. The album after that is incredible. They had a stint there where they were writing just unbelievable stuff. They even came out with a... I think it's called The Demolitions. It's an album of unreleased stuff that they did during that time. And it might be my second favorite Crash Systemies album. Essentially, Brad Roberts was writing, when he was in the God Shuffled His Feet album phase, he was writing just fried gold every single time he picked up a guitar. Because there's like 40 songs right there that are just amazing. But only one of them hit number one. No greatest albums, no greatest songs. I think everybody knows that. They've had four top 40 hits that Peter Pumpkinhead, it is an XTC song. So that's another thing I have to figure out is, does it count? Because it's a cover. Do I count half of it? I think since it's a top 40, it can still count as a top 40. I just don't count it in the, the whole mass of songs as far as favorite of all time. Afternoons and Coffee Spoons, God Shuffled His Feet. They do have a few top 40s. They have three platinum albums. Three. That's very cool. Did not know that. Thank you, Canada. They have five additional platinums. Their first album, The Ghosts That Haunt Me, has sold incredibly well in Canada. So good job, Canada, because Crash Systems have three platinum albums and then five additional platinums. That is great. So Crash Dummies has a total of 94 songs. That gets them to a 0.489, which is below Everclear at a 0.612. So here's what I want to ask about the best bands of all time. I don't know how I feel about this. And I think this is the perfect example of how we can gauge what is fair and what isn't. The reason that Everclear is higher than Crash Dummies is because of the significant amount more of top 40 hits they have. So they have many, many more top 40 hits. This is the thing that I don't like about it is they have a significantly amount less platinum albums. Crash Dummies has those additional platinums. I feel like it should be a bigger deal. They have five. They have three platinum albums with five additional platinums. Whereas Everclear has the three Platinums with the one additional Platinum. And so that's where I have a problem with Everclear being so much higher, you know, 0.2 higher than Crash Systemies. But that could be biased because I just like the Crash Systemies more. So that's something that can help me to gauge. And I actually want your opinions on that. What is more important, top 40 hits or Platinum albums? And if so, how should that scale work? Because it does seem like significantly more Platinums, but it's significantly more Platinums for one album only. 
Whereas top 40 hits, you know, if you have 15 more top 40 hits than the other band does, that's saying that you were on the radio way more, right? Tell me how you feel. Tell me how you feel. Should we go to Zep? Should we go to the lead? Should we go to the greatest rock band of all time? If you ask a lot of people. Oh, Led Zeppelin. I sure do love you. You ready to throw up? One. Led Zeppelin has one number one hit. No, one number one billboard hit of all time. Whole lot of love. That is the only song that ever hit number one for Led Zeppelin. What the actual fuck, people? What are we doing? What are we doing? How do we bring, uh, can we renaissance some Zepp or can we, I mean, what do we do here? I I think Greta Van Fleet probably has more number one hits than Led Zeppelin did. Do, I mean, do you not want to throw up now? I want to throw up. I'd like to throw up. I'm going to throw up. Um, they have 10 top 40 hits. Thanks to, mostly thanks to Germany. So UK, fucking USA, what, what is our, what are we doing? What the hell? We slept on Zep big time. So thanks to Germany, basically, they have 10 top 40 hits. Now, here is what is going to help Led Zeppelin. They have three songs that are in the 1 to 250 of the Rolling Stones' best songs of all time. Stairway is 61, Whole Lot of Love is 128, and Cashmere is 148. All right? They also have four albums in the top 1 to 250. Four. That is more than anybody has had so far. In Physical Graffiti is 144. Zep 2 is 123. Zep 1 is 101. And Zep 4 is 58. So Rolling Stones thinks that the cat, that it goes Zep 4, then Zep 1, then Zep 2, then Physical Graffiti. Oh, man, I feel like a lot of people are going to have a problem with that. I don't think, I don't know that I do. I really like Zep 4. I really, really like Zep 4. I tell you what, I've always been a Zep 1 over Zep 2 guy, but when I was studying for this, man, I was really getting into Zep 2. When we did our 69 episode, Sven and Evil were clearly in the Zep 2 camp over Zep 1, and I was in the Zep 1 camp, and it's really just a very, very silly close call. Physical graffiti, yeah, I don't, luckily, right now, it's not my job. This isn't a Zeppelin uh, dissection, so I don't have to rank these albums because I don't want to do it. It's too hard. But they do have that, and then they also have one album that's in the 250 through 500s, which is House of the Holy. House of the Holy is 278. So they have three songs and five albums on the Rolling Stones Top 500. That is a That helps their score a lot. Do you want to know what else helps their score? 12 of their albums have gone platinum. They've all gone platinum. I guess we're not that surprised, right? It's Led Zeppelin. 83 additional Platinums. I knew Led Zeppelin was popular. I didn't realize that everybody bought Zeppelin, and I am so happy. 83 additional Platinums. They have diamond albums. They have multiple, multiple, multiple diamonds. They sell. Add that to the fact that they only have 74 songs. They scored really fucking high. They scored a 3.680. Is that enough to beat Michael Jackson in the new formula? I'll tell you what, it's really, really close. I will tell you after we talk about Tupac. Tupac, five number one Billboard hits. Not a big surprise there. There was a little three-year stint there where he was bigger than big. He has one song on the Rolling Stones 500, California Love at 320. And then he has one album, All Eyes on Me, 436. That is not high enough, but... It is what it is. He does have 27 top 40 hits. That's a lot. Platinum's, he has 10 albums. And yes, most of them are posthumous albums. I definitely count them. Go back and listen to the Tupac episode where Sven and I talk. I think most of you would agree. He wrote them. He recited them. He was in the studio. He did them. The only thing he didn't do is produce the beat, which rappers don't do anyway. And he is on record as saying that he doesn't think rappers should have anything to do with picking the beat. They should lay the rap down and let the producer do that. So I definitely count them. He does have 10 platinum albums. That is a lot. He has one gold. Tupacalypse now never hit platinum. I can't believe that. I mean, I guess I can, but 
that's just, man, that's surprising. He does have 21 additional Platinums. All Eyes on Me went diamond. That is fantastic. I didn't realize he sold that much. He did. He sold a lot of albums. Total number of songs is 169. That is a lot of songs. So he scored a 1.81. And I will say for him, while that's way lower than the likes of Led Zeppelin, it's still pretty high in comparison to what used to be. In fact, according to the old formula, that would beat out the Foo Fighters, which are at a 1.659. There we have it. Those are our four that we're adding. I redid all of the other formulas for the other bands. Here's what we have is the best band of all time, 16 so far. We have Soul Coughing, which stayed at a .075. Not a popular band. Should be more popular. Tis a travesty. Get used to it. Jerry Cantrell at a .167. Same thing. Really, really good three albums. Not very popular. Crash Test Dummies at a .489. I get it. They, haven't, they are a cult following at best, but I love them. Everclear at a point six one two. I think I mixed them up. I thought Crash System. I must have, but no, Crash Systemies was just above Jerry Cantrell at a point four eight. It's actually a fairly significant jump, point four eight nine. And then Everclear at a point six one two. Just above Everclear's Cake at a point six four nine. And then we have a big jump again at System of a Down with a point nine one seven. Above them we have Joy Division at a one point one five three. Above Joy Division, we have Peter Gabriel at 1.205, so pretty close. Above Peter is Muse at a 1.387, which, man, I have a hard time with that, but I get it. Muse sells a lot, big-time arenas. I actually was trying to figure out a way to put uh, ticket sales into this, but I'm telling you, that would be extremely difficult. If you go try to look up ticket sales, you basically have to go tour to tour. That would take me, I don't have time to do that. Not yet. Maybe someday. I think there are a few really good case studies in this volume of The Great Search as far as how to move forward. Muse is one of them. Muse is a really good case study in recency bias because there is a lot of me that is just kind of in the back of my head wanting to see Muse score lower. You know, that's really unfair if I'm thinking back to the early days of Muse. And when I'm saying the early days of Muse, I'm saying the long tenured early days of Muse. You know, the first albums of Muse was, you know, Showbiz, I don't love. But, you know, it's practically a demo. It's very, very young. But Origin of Symmetry in 2001 to Absolution to Black Holes and Revelations to I didn't love the resistance, but I was okay with it. The Second Law, Drones, even Simulation Theory, I didn't hate. I don't know if it's being spoiled with their content from like 2000 to 2007 or if really 2012 to 22 was that much worse or if there were just specific songs that I thought were that much worse or if it is just that Will of the People is finally where I've had to admit to myself that yeah, this band is not very good anymore. I don't know. And because of Simulation Theory, which, like I've said, I, I loved some songs on, but it's not a great album. And Will of the People, that's basically Muse from 2018 to now. That's the last four years. So that's what I'm thinking about, which is kind of unfair considering how long I considered them a great band. So I'm trying to get out of my right now head and get into my overall head because I can feel myself cooling off on Muse. And is that what I'm supposed to do? Or am I supposed to look at whole catalog, remember how good they used to be, remember how much you used to love them, don't just write them off, don't want to see them lower on lists, that's not fair, that's why we have numbers, David. Credence, Clearwater Revival. Check this out. Muse is at a 1.387, Credence, Clearwater Revival at a 1.388. That is how close that was. So Credence and Muse, basically the same, but Credence is better, and I actually am okay with that. Janet Jackson, 1.478, lots of sales, lots of number one hits, tons of top 40 hits, but also a ton of number ones. Above her is Green Day at a 1.670, consistency, consistency, consistency. They've been being bought by like three generations. Foo Fighters, 1.784, same thing, consistency, lots of touring. Lots of albums. All of them sell well. Right above Foo Fighters is Tupac Shakur at 1.818. I did not realize how much he sold. 
he sold a shit ton of albums before and after death, which is incredible. I am amazed by that. Okay, so what about this one? This is another one I want to know about from you people, you lovely listeners. Tupac being above Foo Fighters, of whom does that piss off and why? Try to put away your rock bias. I know that most of the people that listen to this podcast are probably rockers before your rappers, which is fine, but put away that bias and let me know if you think that Foo Fighters should definitely be ahead of Tupac. One of the arguments I can hear that might happen is the whole, most of the music that he came out with, he was already dead before he came out with it. It wasn't even him coming out with the music, which I get. I can see that being split into two things. I can see people being upset with that and thinking that it's unfair. And I can see people like me, which is the way I'm choosing to go about it. I'm impressed. It is a fucking anomaly. How big of a larger than life being do you have to be to keep coming out with stuff after you die? And it not just... I'm not talking like what Prince has done with his catalog, which we all know the the lore that he's got hundreds and hundreds of songs just waiting to be released and he wanted to release stuff after he died and then he'll still be on the charts for years and years and years, which we've seen a little bit of. So it definitely wasn't all a lie, but not to the extent of a Tupac. He's selling platinum after platinum. He's selling millions of albums after his death. That's how much of a persona and much of a name he had made for himself. I think it's incredible. I enjoy it. But I can see where that would be frustrating for some, and I can see where people wouldn't think it's fair that a band that's actually been working hard, touring on the road for decades, would be down below that. Let me know what you think. I'm okay with this rating, personally. I'm okay with this ranking. Above Tupac, we have two left. We have Zeppelin and Michael. Did Zeppelin beat out Michael Jackson? Zeppelin, so I'll tell you this, Zeppelin came in, at a 3.680, massive jump from Tupac. Not enough to beat Michael Jackson, 3.75. But that was, honestly, that was way closer than I thought it was going to be. Zeppelin is right up there with Michael Jackson. That is very cool to me. And I'm okay with these rankings. Jackson, Zeppelin, Tupac, Foo Fighters, as for best band artists of all time, I think that makes absolute sense to me. Let's take a break. Let's go to favorites. We'll be right back. Nobody watches and clocking the evil man too. Face with the demons addicted to hearing victims screaming. Yes, we was evil since birth, product of curse scenes. Cause even our birthdays is curse days. A born thug in the first place, the worst ways. I love to see the block in peace with no more dealers and crooked cops. The only way to stop the Hi everybody, I'm back. Should we go to favorites? So here we go. This is where I have some problems, but I think I'm just being biased. But that's the thing. It's my favorite. So does my bias mean that I need to change it? Because if I look at my rankings and I think, God, that doesn't make any sense. Shouldn't I need to change it? If in my heart, I'm like, this just, I don't want that to be right. Or am I in denial and I just need to admit some things to myself? Let's go through the numbers, shall we? Should we start with Everclear again? So once again, I divided them between amazing songs, good to bad, mediocre songs, and then terrible songs. Uh, They have 11 amazing songs. Seven of them are from So Much for the Afterglow. And these aren't just like amazing. Like it has to be amazing, amazing. Absolutely terrific, perfect songs. I think they have 11 total. And like I said, just below 70% of them are from So Much for the Afterglow. The rest of them are Sparkle and Fade basically 58 good to bad songs they have 26 really bad songs i tell you what going through their entire discography is a fucking slog because everything sounds exactly the same they have a song okay i already said it black is the new black is a good album it is Here's my biggest problem. They have a song on there called Jackie Robinson, which is a great, it's a great message for a song. It's about like his dad going to a baseball game uh, and seeing Jackie Robinson playing and seeing all the people booing and, and his dad telling him like, fuck those ignorant people. That guy's a hero. Great message for a song. Very, very cool. That song is everything to everyone. Go listen to that song right now. They took everything to everyone and they basically changed the, it's the exact same fucking song. 
If you're going to write a song for Jackie Robinson, can you just not copy one of your hits? Can you write a different song, please? Jackie Robinson deserves that. That made me really mad. They can fuck off for that. So yeah, the 26 terrible songs, you know, it, it wasn't even to the point where it was terrible. It was just, oh my God, they all sound exactly the same. I Every about fifth song, I'd get mad and be like, terrible, can't do it. Vinyls I need. Vinyls that are necessary to the collection are uh, Sparkle and Fade and So Much for the Afterglow. But there are three others I would want that I, if I saw them, I would buy them. In World of Noise, the second songs for the American whatever. And I would actually buy that Black is a New Black if I saw it. So, so, and then the rest of them I would not buy, which once again, that does count against them. Total number songs, 97. That puts the putting in the favorite equation, that puts them at a 0.456. Should we go to Tupac? Talk about Tupac's as far as favorite. What's going to help Tupac is 24 amazing songs. He has quite a few really, really spectacular songs that very much wow me. He does have 120 good to bad songs. That's a lot. And then he does have 25 terrible songs. There are songs that don't age well. There's 90s hip hop did not age well all the way through. As far as vinyls that I would consider myself needing, essential to my collection, three. Until the end of time, all eyes on me and me against the world. But then there are also four that I would want that if I saw I would buy. It's tough because most of those are posthumous, but I still want them. The only issue is he had so many songs, 169 songs, but it still gets him much higher than Everclear, thanks to the amount of amazing songs in the vinyls. That's a lot of vinyls that I would want. And so Tupac comes in at a 1.099. I didn't count all of the Tupac stuff. He has some remixes and stuff towards the end that I don't count. A couple like compilation albums. It also, the, the ending stuff started to feel pretty watered down. Not terrible, just, I don't know. So Tupac, you can see, is much higher than Everclear. Sorry, Everclear, but... Maybe you should have just stopped that. The American whatevers. Crash Test Dummies. Crash Test Dummies is the one that I would think was going to be high, right? Listen to them all the time. And here's what we came up with. So they have a total of 94 songs. They have a lot of songs. They have a lot of albums. They have eight albums. I have them in down as 30 amazing songs. Lots of good stuff off of God Shuffled His Feet. Most of that album is amazing. A Worm's Life is great. Give Yourself a Hand, that Demolitions one, I do count because it was all unreleased music. So why wouldn't I count it? It's basically non-released B-sides, but I think they sound more like A-sides. 30 amazing songs. Good job. 54, good to bad. They do have 10 terrible songs, which is higher than I thought. You know why? There is one Crash Test Dummies album that I really, really don't like. It's called I Don't Care That You Don't Mind. I don't know where he was at in his artistic progression. There's something about that album that really rubs me the wrong way. I don't really like the content. I think he kind of sounds like an asshole in some of the lyrics, which, hey, I nothing against that. I like when an artist isn't hiding the negative aspects about who they are. There's just something in the messaging and the thought process of this album that rubs me the wrong way. And because of that, I think, seriously, I think like seven of the songs on that album I really, really don't like. Out of their eight albums, though, five of them I would consider essential for my collection, and two of them I would want. Uh, the only two that I don't really, really love are Unforgiven, which is their newest one, which is good. It's just a very, very calm, slow, one-note kind of thing. And then they have one album called Ooh La La, which is kind of, it does a lot of this old parlophonic, I think they were going for Southern French bohemian sort of sound, which is good. I just don't love it the way I love their other albums. But like I said, you know, five albums that I consider invaluable. That puts them in at a 1.670. So as you hear, much higher than Everclear and higher than Tupac. Let's end it with Led Zeppelin. This one surprised me. I'm sure you will figure out soon why it surprised me. So Zepp, out of their 74 songs, I consider 31 of them to be amazing songs. That is a lot. That is, we're getting close to half their content. 
And then when it comes to songs that I think are good to bad, there's 36. I have them only having five terrible songs, and most of it is towards the end of their career. I'm sure anytime you complain at all about Led Zeppelin, you're going to get... It's fighting words. I get it. But Presence and In Through the Outdoor, just they're just not my favorite albums. In Through the Outdoor still has, you know, like Fool in the Rain and All of My Love and a couple choice others that I do think that In Through the Outdoor is still a great album. I am not a Presence fan. I think Led Zeppelin fans are pretty split between Presence of it being brilliant and just not good. And I am more of the not that good. It's, if you compare it to others, I guess I should say it like this. For Led Zeppelin, I don't think it's that good. If I'm comparing that album to a lot of other bands, yeah, it's still incredible. And that brings me to the vinyls. I'm counting eight of them. Seven of them I consider essential to the collection. Zep 1 through 4, Graffiti, In Through the Outdoor, basically all of them except for Presents. And, and even Presents I would buy. If I see it in the record store, I would pick it up. So eight albums, seven of them essential, one of them I'd buy. That gets Led Zeppelin to a 2.123, which is automatically way higher than Crash Test Dummies. So let's go to, once again, new formula. I put all of the bands into this one, and here's what we have so far. We have Everclear at a 0.456. Sorry, Everclear, there's just so much of your content that is so much worse than when you first started. Green Day at a 0.756, basically the exact same thing. Three good albums and some fun stuff every now and then, but when you have like 15 albums, three of them are good. To me, it's just not going to work. Janet at 1.027, same thing. They're like two have-to-owns from Janet for me. I think I even put three and then one or two wants, but there is a lot that i just not into. Up next, we've got Tupac. At 1.099, same thing there, lots of content that I don't need in my life. Credence, 1.284, kind of the same thing. Credence is one of those bands that you're just supposed to own, so you own it. Not saying I don't think it's great. Willie and the Poe Boys, they have fantastic albums. I think Credence is a much more respect over like thing for me. Jerry Cantrell next at a 1.290. Now this got way higher thanks to how much his newer album grew on me. And honestly, I like his other two albums too. He has good solo work. Up next, Michael Jackson at a 1.350. There's a lot of Michael that I do consider amazing. There's also a lot of Michael that I, you know, I can live without. It's meh. Peter Gabriel at a 1.460. Same story. Tons of content. A lot of it is very good. Then we go System of a Down at a 1.481. Pretty close, but these bands do well with the five or six albums of very solid content. Above them, which I do think would have been way higher two albums ago, is Muse as a 1.567. I have a hard time with Muse being this high up, but it's a recency bias. So, hey Muse, come out with a good album again, please, please, please. I know they're going to come out with another one. I really hope it's good. If not, I'm going to have to reassess. We might have to just change the whole thing. Just above Muse is Soul Coughing. Soul Coughing at a 1.583. This is one of those things. You know, three albums. I, I want all three. I don't have any Soul Coughing because they're too expensive. You can't find them. It makes me mad. But I love everything Soul Coughing ever did, even though it was only three albums. Up next, Crash Test Dummies, 1.670. I expected them to be one or two. They're top five. I guess it's a mixture of how many more albums and songs. I don't know. I, I guess it could be right. I have a problem with it, but I also can see where maybe a palate cleanser for you doesn't necessarily mean that everything is amazing. It just means that it's comfortable. So maybe they're just my comfort band. Because above them is Cake at a 1.730, which I do think that they have more... I don't want to say more creative, but, you know, very unique and well-written. Above them is Foo Fighters at a 1.891. Once again, that's very surprising. But you know what? When I stop and I take a look at all of the albums, I think I own more, with the exception of the Beatles, more Foo Fighters albums than any other band. One by One, Wasting Light, Color in the Shape, Concrete and Gold. I actually love Concrete and Gold. I feel like I'm the only person that does 
but I like a ton of Foo Fighters stuff, man. Right above them, two bands left. My favorite up to this point was Joy Division, who are now at a 1.937. And as hard for me as it is to see, Led Zeppelin topples them at a 2.123. And I guess that's where I'm going with this whole thing. These are my favorite bands of all time. And I see Led Zeppelin above Joy Division. I see Cake above Crash Test Dummies. And I don't like it. So does that mean it's wrong? Or is there just some sort of bias there? Because if I do stop and think, I mean, yeah, I love Joy Division. I freaking worship Joy Division. But Led Zeppelin has way more albums and songs that I like because they were around longer. So I don't know. I need help with this one, guys. Do I need to change anything? Do I need to I just help me? Help me help me. And that's it. That is the first version of the search for this year. I am going to keep doing it this year. The response was positive last year, so we're going to keep going with it until people say, no mas, no thank you. Versecoursefirst.com, at versecoursefirstpod. Go think about this equation a bit more, because I guess I should be proud that Zeppelin is my number one, but there's just something about it in there that leaves me questioning things. You know what I'm having a really hard time with is how low Tupac is. I feel like I've dishonored those in my life previous that I've loved him with. I got to think on some stuff, you guys. I hope you're all doing well. Love you all. Good night and good luck. Good luck.